Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with episode 31 of the Impact Investing Podcast. I am Mattin Lewis, the finance guru, and I'm with the original Poddington Burr. You've been, Tom bu- you've been building up to using those two jokes for the best part of six months, I can tell everyone. Um, this week, we're revisiting pensions. So we talked about pensions uh, about four months ago. We did the pension special, um, but it's about time that we revisited and we've got, we think we've got a couple of new points to make. Um, and um, we're not... You know, we didn't do it then. We're not going to do it now. We're not going into all the technicalities of pensions. We, we're not going into the. We have to do a lot of background really for that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but again, it's more about some things to think about, some points to consider, and put into context the task that we all have ahead of us yep. to save enough for the retirement we've always dreamed of. <laughs> so, um, Tom, I'll hand over to you. Cool. We've got. I think we've got like. 10 points to go through um, or 10 rough points that we want to cover. Um, and we're starting with the difference between DC and DB pensions. So what does that mean? Well, before I get into that, Matthew, oh, again, I thought it'd be very important to give our, uh, our legion of fans an update on chart news. As always. Um, so we are riding high in the uh, Nigerian business and investing charts. Um, we've fallen out of some of the other ones this week. Even, even our old faithful, <laughs> the people of Uganda have sacked us off in the past week. So uh, thank you to the people of Nigeria. Also, we should do some housekeeping um, up front, which we're always uh, bad at reminding people. So full episodes of the pod are on YouTube. Um, please do get in touch with us, questions, suggestions at uh, the email address is podcast at circa5000.com and uh, please like, subscribe and and share. Um, we're putting most of the clips on our socials, Instagram and TikTok. Um, and so share. And the Circa 5000 socials. Yeah. So if you, if, you, yeah. if you look for them on Instagram or TikTok or wherever. Yeah. So sharing and liking and subscribing would really help us. Um, cool. So we've got, we've got 10 points to run through. Seven of them are kind of points on pensions and, and, and three are some of our investing principles that, that really do apply to, um, to pensions. The first, as you mentioned, DCDB pensions and the DCDB shortfall. So DC pensions, defined contribution pensions, are what most of the people listening to this podcast will have in the UK, um, which is uh, you paying in uh, a a defined amount into a pension pot uh, and your employer doing the same thing over the course of your working life. And at the end of that period, when you you come to retirement, you get a pot of money. And that pot of money, you can take 25% of that pot of money tax-free. And then the rest is designed for you to then use to get yourself a retirement income. And that is very different to the way in which a lot of our parents and people um, of an older generation. Or government pensions. Or government, government pensions that are still kind of um, uh, structured in this way, which is DB pensions, which is defined benefit. So you've heard of things like final salary pensions or there's like lifetime earnings pensions and average of your lifetime earnings. These are much more uh, are much more lucrative in terms of the amount that you can get at the end. Historically, people used to retire on 100% of their final salary um, in some professions. Some may still do, but it's a world away from, from uh, DC pensions where um, your employer with DB is basically guaranteeing you a level of income. You may pay into it during your, your work 
working life, they're paying a lot into a pot in the background during yeah. your working life in order to secure you that that income which is contracted. Yeah. Whereas DC, there's no guarantee of the income you get. It's a pot of money at yeah. the end. And that's and, the key point, isn't it? Is that, is that basically this is where the responsibility for providing you an income in retirement sits now. Yeah. It now sits with you. Yeah. It now sits with you as the individual. Yeah. The employer pays into a pot of money, mm-hmm. but they make no promises about what that pot of money will no. get to or what that pot of money will be able to provide for you in retirement. Yeah. Previously, if you worked for, and, and if you still work for the government in, a lot, in most cases or all cases now, the responsibility is on the employer. So they make a promise to you that if you work here for a period of time, you'll get some multiple or some calculation based on yeah. your salary either your final salary or your salary over an average period. Um, and they will pay you an income until you die. Yeah. And that, that was the promise. That was that, that used to be the standard. Yeah. Now the standard is this defined contribution, which basically means we'll define what we put in, we'll define what we contribute, yeah. but not define benefit, which is we'll define what benefit you get when you retire. Yeah. So the key difference, the terms don't matter. You don't need to remember the names, but you do need to remember the principle, which is most pension schemes now are a type of pension scheme where you are responsible for making sure that you have enough pension to retire off. Yeah, and there's a huge difference with the the size of the pots at retirement in the UK. So the average defined benefit pension pot at retirement age is 400 grand. And remarkably, the average defined contribution pension pot is 50 grand. So yeah. that is basically 10 times less than what you would get from a, a, a DB pension. And so the, the point of this, the point to ra- the reason to raise this and flag it to everybody is um, you really should be looking at how much you can contribute into your DC pension right now at work. You'll be on like a set amount and your employer will be putting in a set amount. It'll be contracted. It'll be uh, an amount that's specified when you started your job probably. Can you maximize that? can you put way more money in than you are at the moment? Because as things stand, you're probably not putting in enough to get you the retirement um, that you want. The other thing to think about is if if you've put in, you're putting in the maximum you can, it's still worth looking at what that will produce for you in the future when you retire. You can do this pension calculators online where you can see based on the current size of your pension pot, your current income and how much you're putting in as a percentage of your salary, what that will give to you when you retire. Um, and there's some rules of thumb around people looking to get like half of the current income at the time that they retire. So yeah. if you're maximizing that in your current DC pension with your, with your with your employer and it's still not quite there, what else can you do outside of your pension to make sure you build that up for yourself when you retire? Because yes, there's things in the UK like a state pension. It's relatively small. The age is getting pushed out all the time. That's not going to give you more, more than likely the retirement you need. And it's your responsibility, not your employer's, not anybody else's, not the government's to sort that out for you. So how much are you paying in currently at your employer? And do you need to up that? And is there anything you can do outside of that to make sure you make up for some of that huge shortfall that people who are in DC schemes are experiencing? Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the it brings us on to the next point, which is about retirement age. Yeah. So the retirement age, the age the, or the, you know, the sort of government defined retirement age, which yeah. is the age that you uh, receive your state pension at, mm. um, is increasing and will increase further. Yeah. So we have a situation where we have an aging population. This is not just true of the UK. It's true of most, most developed markets. In yeah. fact, in the news this week, I think France are considered a bit of a, a laggard in this. They've not increased their state retirement age 
yeah. for a while. And now, and now Macron has come out and said, we're going to have to increase it and we're going to have to increase it further again at some point. Another popular move for Emmanuel. Well, exactly. But, you know, it's never going to be a popular move, is it? But the, the point is, is that, you know, I think when the state, I think when the, the state pension was first brought in in the UK, you know, I, I'm going to get the dates wrong, but I know that the age that you were eligible for it was 70. Mm. And, and life expectancy was not as high as it was then. Yeah. So there's a real, there's a, just a, a, you know, a demographic reality, which yeah. is we're, we're, everyone's living longer. The burden on the state to provide a state pension, which in the UK is subject to this triple lock, mm. which it will rise in line with inflation, 2% or wages. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big burden. It's a big cost. The reason governments like it, especially Tory, Tory governments, is because that's who votes for them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you don't want to piss off your voters. No. So, um, but the reality is it's a big cost. So, and people are living longer. So the state retirement age is getting, is getting pushed out. So the, the, the other issue, if you've got to think about there though, is as, as someone who's paying into a private pension or paying into a workplace pension mm-hmm. is, are you going to work to that state retirement age? Yeah. And are you going to be able to work? Mm. And and if you're not going to be able to, if you're not going to work till you say into your seventies, are you going to be able to fund what is now a much longer retirement period mm. than previous generations? Yeah. So if you retired at sixty, you know, and life expectancy was eighty, there's a twenty year, there's yeah. a twenty year retirement period to pay for. But if you if you now retire at sixty five, but life expectancy goes up to ninety five, yeah, you know, there's a much longer retirement period for. The other point to note on that is that we're all living longer but we're not all necessarily living longer in a way that we can actively work. So yeah. there's twofold there is one, you may not be able to keep up an active job if you are employed in a, you know, a physical job or even a semi-physical job. You know, if you work in retail and you're on your feet for eight hours a day, will you be well to be able to work into your seventies? Yeah. Um, but the other point is for that later part of your retirement, you may be looking at funding some sort of, medical bill or some sort of care bill mm. and therefore your cost of living in those later retirement years may increase compared to what it had for previous yeah. generations it's, it's another it's another reason to try and maximize how much you're putting in as early as possible i yeah. remember a little anecdote when i uh, when we first started our on the grad scheme when we met i got we got our contracts through in the post and got them delivered to my parents house before we before we moved to to london and my mum worked her whole life in the department of work and pensions in the government. And she used to assess uh, pension benefits uh, for pensioners. And she sat down with me and took the contract off me with the, with the pension contributions a bit and put the maximum amount in. Yeah. I was like, why are you doing that? She was like, you've no idea how little that still is compared to what people used to get. Yeah. You need to maximize as much as possible. And I had someone obviously guiding me who kind of knew a little bit about that. But I think you find that people in the first 10, 15 even 20 years of their, of their working career aren't thinking about any of these factors and get to a point where they're in the 40s where they're having to make up such a big shortfall that it's very, yeah. very hard for them to do. And so the sooner you can start putting in more because you're retiring um, much later in life and there's a, there's a shortfall because com- of the pensions that we have now, the better. Um, yeah, and it links us on to the third point, which is lower employer contributions. Yeah. This is a quick point, but it's linked to those two previously, which is typically now, because we have a government minimum, when you, what happens when you have a government minimum is everyone reverts to the minimum. Mm. No one, no one yeah. tries to outdo the minimum. It's like it's like minimum wage. People yeah. pay minimum wage. It anchors it so, down. So, what you have now is a minimum contribution from employers, um, which they which they basically stick to. 
Um, so I think it's it's three percent from employers, yeah, and it's and it's five percent from you, which is four percent plus one percent of tax relief. Mm. Um, but effectively, and that's under defined contribution schemes. But under defined benefit schemes, two points is the one we mentioned earlier, which is ultimately the end responsibility for who was mm-hmm. making up any shortfall in your pension was with your employer yeah. and that pension scheme. But two is as a result. Employers were contributing way more to people's yeah. pension schemes. It could be as high as 40% of salary, but typically it could be 15, 18, 20%. Yeah. And and because the, the employer suddenly had this obligation to provide the income in the future, so they knew what level they had to fund those pension schemes to yeah. in order to cover that future liability. Yeah. They don't have that problem now. No. The government, you know, that's just the, the system that we're in. But it, what it means is they can get away with putting far, 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 far less into a pension scheme. Mm-hmm. And the, the the risk of that is not on them yeah. or the government. It's on you as the individual. Yeah. So the onus is on you. If you if you're putting in three percent, can you afford six? Can you afford more? Some of the some of the better DC schemes in the country may offer twenty percent, where the employer puts in a big chunk. But I think most people, whether you're in a DB or a DC scheme, have absolutely no idea what they're paying in yeah. or what their employer paid in. No idea. That benefited people in DB because they didn't have to know. They didn't, yeah. Because it was the contract they were on. Whereas whereas DC needs to find out how much your employer's putting in, what you're putting in, and maximise it if you can. And the other point is, some schemes offer a matching. So some some schemes may yes. start you off on a minimum, start you off on the flat. But if you increase your contributions, often or sometimes at least, the employer will also increase and match the additional contribution as well. Yeah. So you should just it's worth just asking your employer, asking the HR department, asking whoever to just say, yeah. what's what's the what's the if I increase my contributions to my pension. Will the employer do it as well? Yeah, it will just depend on what the what the scheme is and how they've set it up. Yeah, inflation uh, obviously been a huge topic the past. Is the number four inflation been a huge topic the past few years? Obviously, seeing record inflation levels now. But the, the how that relates to your kind of future retirement and your future pensions is prices have run up. They've gone up, say, 10, 11, 12 percent in some in some countries uh, and in certain sectors of the of the UK. And even when inflation comes down and, and as a percentage number, it still means prices are going up at that point, just at a lower rate of increase. Yeah. The price rises are not going down. So what we've experienced over the past, you know, 18 months or whatever it's been, slightly less maybe, those numbers are now baked in, and that is the price level of those things. They're not coming down, they may increase at a slower rate in the future. What that means is you may need more at retirement than you perhaps did you know once upon a time. Yeah. So it's another it's another thing to think about in terms of planning the income level you think you need when you retire. Um, the cost of living generally has gone up and it's not going to come down. It may it may slow down in the rises in the future, but it's just another way of framing and thinking about right. I need to reconsider what I once needed at retirement because the cost of stuff day to day has increased. Yeah, and I think there's some studies out. Out of some surveys that have been done, which actually would estimate that the inflation rate for pensioners is higher. Mm. It's, the, the cost of living as a pensioner has gone up twenty percent. Right. The reason for that is is because if you think about what percentage of your income gets spent on things like energy bills and home, food, yeah. mm. which which are, you know basic expenditures, as a pensioner they will be a big percentage of your overall expenditure. So there's an estimate that that inflation for those for, for people on pensions with no mortgage has gone up about 20%. Um, and it's also estimated now that to, to, to have just a basic 
level of in, a basic level of living in yeah. retirement, assuming that you've paid off your mortgage or you don't is is that you or you don't have a big rent bill to pay, is you need at least twenty thousand pound a year. Yeah. So if you think about that as a as a you know, if you say you roughly need twenty times that to be able to draw that income off it every mm. year, and that's probably you know, that's not allowing a big margin of safety. Yeah. That's the sort of pot you need today. Yeah. But obviously you also need to try and to grow that money, you need to try and grow your pot at a rate that's higher than the prevailing rate of inflation. Yeah. So inflation is this thing that you have to keep in mind because by the time you retire, everything's going to cost more. But the big inflation that we've had over the last couple of years won't go away unless we have a period of deflation, yeah. which we're, you know, we're unlikely to have. Yeah, which is which governments and central banks do absolutely everything they can to avoid. Yeah. Um, number five, your home is not a pension. Um, perhaps would have actually been a safer call in the previous generation. Yeah. You know, our parents' generation were lucky enough to be able to earn, you know, a level of a, a level of uh, salary and income whilst getting a DB pension that allowed them to buy a property, you know, three times their income um, in the area they wanted to live in. And then that property during their lifetime has gone up by about, you know, 5X, 10X. That's very, very unlikely to happen to this generation, to our generation. The property price rises they've experienced is very unlikely to ever be repeated again. And so the idea that you can just uh, live somewhere pay that uh, if you're lucky enough to be able to buy somewhere and afford to be able to get on that, uh, the, the, the housing ladder, pay that off by the time you retire and then use that as an asset, sell it and then free up some money to live on as a pension and buy somewhere else to live. That as a strategy is nowhere near as clearly a good thing as it perhaps once was in this country. Yeah. And it's getting more difficult to do, right? Yeah. So if you think about uh, if you get yourself on that property, property ladder, uh, you know, we've had the benefit of low rates, although we've had the downside that house prices have gone up yeah. sharply over the last few years. But now if you're thinking about sort of building up equity in your home, mm. well, your mortgage costs have just got yeah. way more expensive. If you've got a mortgage that's on a fixed term, by the time that fixed term runs out, if it's, you know, it's in the next two years, 18 months, 12 months, you're going to have to probably remortgage at a much higher rate than you took out previously, yeah. which means that your ability to pay down that mortgage and your ability to build up equity in your home yeah. is has just got way harder. So, you know, interest rates getting higher, um, you know, the fact that house prices are not as affordable as they were for the previous generation, yeah. and the fact that we've seen, you know, a huge multi-decade boom in house prices. Will we see the same again? We could do. I mean, there is a, there is a structural there is a structural uh, supply and demand issue of homes in yeah. the UK. But whether we see quite the quite the sort of that model playing out, as you say, where a previous generation you could buy a house at a very low multiple of your income and then watch it rise in value yeah. and basically retire off the equity and think that you've done an amazing job when all you've done is live in a house for a few yeah. decades. Yeah. Uh, Will that opportunity be there for people? The other point is that people are getting onto the housing ladder much later in yeah. life. Yeah. So people aren't building up that equity. You know, people are taking out longer mortgages. Yeah. People are getting into the housing ladder in their thirties and forties and taking out mortgages that are thirty-five years long. Yeah. This so a, it, will you ever see that point where you're mortgage-free? Yeah. You may not. It's another big point on the, the kind of the intergenerational shift from our parents' generation, perhaps the one above. Now it takes it's the the average house price is nine point. 
one times the earnings of the average salary in the UK. Wow. Whereas historically it was probably three to four. Yeah. And so you've got that factor plus the DB pension scheme factor, yeah. which makes retirement an entirely different equation for people that are working now, looking to retire at 60, 65, 70, 75, who knows what, what, what you know, where it'll be when, uh, when our generation gets there. Um, and so that as an idea, as a concept, you know, the, the, the old generation are always so keen for us to get on the property ladder. We're very, very keen for our generation to do it. First of all, it's, it's, very, very hard to do it in the UK now in terms of the amount of money you need to save to get a deposit. Most people who have bought a deposit, there's a very few people that are in really high earning jobs that have managed to do it, but it's from parents and, and, and inheritance. Yeah. That's the, like, like nine yeah. out of 10 people that I know have made it, been able to do it. And still that trade isn't as pronounced as it used to be in terms of buying a house and then using it as retirement. The other thing to think about is when you do retire and you're living in a house, you still need somewhere to live. Your house as a pension, as an idea, you still need to free up all that money then live somewhere. So are you going to sell a house and then downsize to something a quarter of the size? Is that or, what you want to do when you retire? Or become a nomad. Or become a digital nomad and start a... I'm not even going to go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's another pod. Well, I think but, one more point on that as well is the, the previous generations also weren't shackled with 50 grand's worth of student debt. Yeah. So your net income mm. and your ability to pay your mortgage, which comes out your net income, yeah, yeah. is lowered now by the fact that you first got this hurdle of you have to pay off. Yeah. Before you free up that net income, you've got to pay off this 50 grand's worth of student debt. Yeah. Then you've got to try and overpay on this mortgage, which you've, which you've started paying later on in life and are taking out for a longer period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do interest-only mortgages more now than they ever did before because of affordability. So yeah. they're not even, paying off the, not even paying off the principle of the debt. So, you know... It, the UK is a nation of homeowners. Whether that, whether that that strategy of owning ho- your own home or even investing in property yeah. will work out in the same way it has is up for debate. But what what I think is clear is that some of the parameters, as in age, you get on the property market, you know, multiples of your income that you buy a house for, the time that you're paying off yeah. a mortgage for, those those have all shifted in a big material way, which means it's it's harder. Yeah. It's hard to see it fully ending in the UK because people treat home buying as like a religion, as a as a reason to exist, but there's some problems with the old model. Yeah. Um two quick points now before we move on to our our key principles. Yeah. Number six, so active funds underperform. So the thing to think about as well is you've got your pension, it's invested somewhere. What's it invested in and what are the fees you're paying on the thing that it's invested in? Both of those things can have a material impact on the ultimate outcome you get, the size of the pot that you get. And so actively managed funds, i.e. investing in a fund where a fund manager is trying trying to beat the market, um, most active fund managers, 50% or more underperform the the market generally and uh, twice, three times, sometimes four times or more, more expensive than investing in a exchange traded fund, an ETF, which is a passive fund, which isn't trying to beat the stock market, but is basically trying to replicate the returns of a given given market. For example, the biggest 100 companies in the UK, a FTSE 100 uh, ETF. And so an important thing to a bit of hygiene with your pension is obviously check how much is in there, what you need when you retire, um, uh, how much you're contributing, but check what it's invested in, check the fees of it and see if you can get a better deal for yourself because over your next 25, 30, 35 years, that increase in fees um, has a material net impact on the amount of money that you have um, and active funds most of the time underperform the general stock market. So look at trying to move it to something that is a bit more stock market like like an ETF or a passive fund. Yeah. Um Number seven, this links back to now where the responsibility sits for mm. what your pension is about 
financial education. Mm. So I think a lot of this stuff can seem uh, complicated. It can seem like, you know, it's dry subject matter in terms of no one wants to go and read a big book on pensions or anything like that. Um, but ask yourself, do you need to get smarter about money? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, pensions can be really powerful when it comes to sort of maximizing tax reliefs from pensions yeah. and bringing down your tax bill. You know, remember tax is something you pay away to the government that you won't get back. Yeah. Uh, it comes, you know, it reduces your income, it reduces your ability to save. So pensions are a good tax efficient way of, of, of uh, saving for your future. But I think, you know, Rishi Sunak wants everyone to learn maths until they're 18. I think a good start would be people doing an, an, an education on personal finances, yeah. you know, not just pensions, but pensions are now a massive part because what's happened is just this shift of responsibility where it used to be the responsibility of a pension fund manager and the employer to make sure that all their staff got paid into retirement. Now it's just on the individual. So you've taken on, whether you know it or not, a responsibility to look after yourself into retirement. And if you're not educated on it and you're not qualified to know whether you're doing the right thing or not, yeah, I would say it's a very, very, very valuable thing that you can do is to go and educate yourself. And yeah. just there's plenty of materials out there to go and just get wise and, and get a plan, yeah. have a plan in place. Yeah. I, feel, I feel really sorry for your people. I mean, if we hadn't worked in this industry... We wouldn't know any of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I think the education system in this country and, and probably others is basically criminal when it comes to this stuff. So on the one hand, I empathise with, with Rishi Sunak saying you've got to learn maths to your, to your 18, but how about we just teach people financial hygiene and basic financial education about credit card savings, investments, mortgages, pensions, and allow them when they're 18 to then be able to properly participate in the country and the system yeah. and the financial services system. Most people start jobs, have no clue about any of this stuff, get themselves into terrible situations in the finance because they've, they've no idea. Yeah. So I think that should be reframed um, if I was Risha Sunak and his team. It should be financial education, not maths, because nobody needs to spend more time learning algebra and Pythagoras theorem that they'll never, ever use. Even if you work in financial services, you'll never, ever use. Um, so I think there's there's something worthwhile in that argument, but it's not maths, it's well, look, finances. We, 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 make everyone, we make everyone who wants to drive a car pass a driving test. Yeah. But everyone has a pension if they have a job. Yeah. And most people will end up with a mortgage. Yeah. And everybody interacts with the with the financial system on some way. If they have a credit card, a savings account, a bank account. Yeah. You know, and everyone has a household budget, mm. whether they know it or not. Might yeah. not you know, they have they have it. So why don't we have these these are common for everyone across the whole population yeah. and yet everyone's just left to go and yeah. find out and figure stuff out independently. And stuff like contra- pension contributions can make a real material impact to your net income yeah. and net wealth over yeah. time. And people could just be blindly, innocently, not taking care of yeah. this stuff. It results in this like paralysis and fear. People keep the money in a bank account. And then most people that I know do that. And then they put all the rest of the money in a leveraged bet on the property market of either own home or if they're fortunate enough to, to get another home. They've no idea about you know, the risks of doing that, that yeah. just seems like the sensible thing to do. They've no idea about mortgages, pensions, any, any of this stuff. And it really is relatively basic. You could do it in a relatively basic um, high school course and it would just put people in a much better position for their lives. Yeah, I mean, and it's not it's not mathematical no, or complicated. Not you know, it's nothing that isn't beyond back of an envelope maths. Basic maths, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So let's move on to some of our... Uh, more, maybe more positive things to think about. <laughs> but so... 
we want to just go back to what we call our investment principles, and I yeah. think I think it's they they fit so well with thinking about pension, yeah. um, and they are some things that if you hold true to, then you're likely to you know put yourself in a relatively good position. Yeah. So the first thing we want to say is think long term. Yeah, I think long term, and you know, you, you you are a pension is naturally long term, and the best way to invest is over the long term. It's the best chance you've got to earn a decent return for yourself. So pension naturally lends itself to that kind of thinking. Um, but don't mistake that for kind of inaction and not doing anything. And so your pension and thinking about your financial future, whether you're 21 or 41 or whatever it is, is something you can actually do now to take control of your finances and your long-term life. And I've never met a single person who's analyze what they have in their pension, try to maximize what they've put in and then regretted it later in life. Yeah. That person does not exist. Yeah. Everyone has always benefited from that. So think long-term, take action, look where it's invested and position yourself for the long-term and maximize what you can do with it. And the important thing there is thinking long-term doesn't mean put it off till tomorrow. No, no. You've yes. got to do it Think long-term today. <laughs> think long-term, but do something about it today. Um, number nine, think, uh, so impact investing um, and having an impact with your finances that lends itself, you know, very well to pension, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we're an impact investing company. Um, and what we would say is if you're going to invest for the next 30, 40, 50 years, where do you want to put that money? Do you want to put it into the old, dying, dirty industries of the past that are yeah. being phased out? Or do you want that money to be aligned with building the future that you want to retire in? Yeah. So do you want to do you want to invest in those companies that are who are building a better future at scale and are arguably, uh, you know, decent return prospects over the time horizon that you're thinking of. Yeah. Um, you Just, know, and we highlighted last last week about Tesla. So we're not saying we're not we're not picking individual stocks, and we're not saying that all no. companies that are trying to build stuff for the future are great return outcomes. But broadly, if you start to position your investments in those more positive areas, then one. You can be proud to own those businesses. You can be proud to be a shareholder in those companies. But two, you're aligning yourself with with the future you want to see and also those industries that are building for the future. Yeah. So when you look at the point number six was look at the active funds that you might be invested in. At that same time, you can do that work. You can look at, you know, if you're an active fund or not, what fees you're paying or not. And if you think that fund is something that's positioned for the long term along the lines of impact and sustainability. Yeah, and it ties in with the other investment principle that we haven't got written down here, but is diversification. Yeah. So you want to make sure that if you are self-managing your pension, that you're not taking an overly concentrated position in any one thing. Yeah. You want to make sure that that pension is diversified, yeah. but it's also positioned to grow for the long term as well. Yeah. And the final thing we mentioned, number 10, is it's important for you to understand what your pension is in and everything that you have today. And once once you're doing that, whether it's the current pension that you're already in, is saving into at the moment and your employer is saving into in your current workplace, but it's also important to understand your previous pensions that you've had at your previous employers. So a lot of people in the UK have pension money, tens of thousands of pounds that they didn't even know there was that was assigned to them from previous jobs that they've forgotten about. And we ha we've now developed a tool um, where you can 
trace, consolidate your, your, your old workplace pensions. You can do it with us. You can trace them for free. There's no obligation to use us. But I think it's a very, very important step to take because you could have 10, 20, 30 grand that you didn't know you had um, from an old job that was invested somewhere. You didn't know where it was uh, invested in things that you kind of don't agree with. And you can find that, consolidate it and use that pot of money in conjunction with the money that you're already uh, saving into in your current pension and help you plan properly for the future. Yeah. Um, it's a key step because what we've seen from our from our customers that have done it with us is it's amazing how much people are finding that yeah. they once had that they didn't know. And it's money that they obviously they weren't aware of and it makes them feel a little bit better about the financial future because yeah. it's money that that just in effect to them has kind of been found out of nowhere. And so it's a big psychological thing to do if you can take that step. Yeah, and I think just a, a, another point on that is that you can't create a long-term plan if you don't know what your starting position is. Yeah. So until you've got all of your old pensions and you can see them all and you know exactly what's going on with them, how can you make steps to know what the next, what you're going to do for the next 10, 20, 30 years yeah. if you don't know what the position you're, you're starting with is? Yeah. So it's step one, really, is go and find your old workplace pensions and, and you know, the easiest way to manage them is to have them all in one place yeah. to simplify. Yeah. There we go. 10 points. So 10 quick points on pensions. We wanted to revisit that subject because, you know, we'd done it four months ago. I think there's some new areas in there that we hadn't covered before. Yeah. And I think we wanted to not, hopefully not terrify people, but highlight that the system that we operate in now, the the responsibility and the onus is on you. Yeah. And the things that your parents did or grandparents did won't necessarily fit the bill for you yeah. to have uh, a healthy, happy and prosperous retirement. Yeah. But you can still do it if you do those steps and you take ownership of it and you plan for the future. Yeah, so and, and, don't and, despair. And it, it may seem difficult now with you know living costs and all the rest of it being very high. But the longer that you defer doing something about saving a pension, the harder and harder it gets. Yeah. Cool. There we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.